Hi, Charles. Thanks a lot for coming on Ira on Sports 95.9, 106.9. We're honored to have former NBA great Charles Oakley. Thank you, thank you. Thanks for having me on the show. So I spent yesterday reading your book. It's amazing. The Last Enforcer. What a great, great book. And I love reading about it. And just a little background that I learned about you is you grew up in Cleveland and York, Alabama, and your mom was a great cook. So that's where you learned to be this excellent cook. And your grandfather was the one who really taught you how to be an enforcer. Right. The toughness, the ruggedness, the, the, the how to be a leader, the give, the whole, the spread love. Yes, all of that. My grandfather's. And so you get drafted, you went to Virginia Union, and you get drafted in the first round by the Bulls. You go to the Bulls, and then you met your lifelong friend, Michael Jordan. Talk us a little about Michael, and we're down here in West Palm Beach, and I love that story you had about that there's some money maybe on the Miami tarmac, uh, some bills, $100 bills floating around, maybe still now uh, that you left there that one time on the trip. When... Yes, in this book I talk about that. Yeah, it's still, it's still some money flying around. I told the guys who, the bad guys who's getting bags off the plane, I said, whatever y'all get, y'all going to have. But uh, no, he's just a great guy. Been a, been a true friend all my life. Every time I call, he hit the ball at the park. Don't ask me no questions. A lot of love between me and him. And you've known Charles as being one of the greatest rebounders. And I trust my mom, who's in their mid-80s, you know, that's all she talks about when she watches a basketball game, rebounding, rebounding. And I watched the Knicks-Lakers on Saturday night. You know, she's like, no one's rebounding the ball. And I said, I'm going to have a rebounder, 1,200 rebounds. Talk to me about what made you this great rebounder and what you see missing in the game today. Well, I think that in the book we talk about the 80s and 90s. People always want to talk, why the 80s and 90s are so good? I think it was tough, ruggers. You had, you know, um, everyone had one another accountable for the rebound. It's just toughness. I think that um, – you know, when my grandfather used to get up at 4 o'clock in the morning, go in the field, barely could see out there, come back, walk to work three miles each way, come back, go to the field. And that toughness had rubbed off. But uh, on the court, you just got to be in it to win it. Um, you're playing your role, and my role is to play defense, rebound, no matter if I get hit in the head or whatever. I've been cutting my face about 12 times. I didn't complain. I just kept playing. And you mentioned in the book that one day they told you you broke your hand, and you're like, okay, and then you went out and got 20 rebounds that night, even with a broken hand. Yeah, uh, back then, I think in the 90s, I talk about in this book a lot, we played with hamstring pulls, groin, uh, jam fingers. It wasn't a point of uh, you wanted to come out because most time you got hurt back then, you lost a job. Maybe a few guys, Michael, Magic, Bird, but most of everybody else's job was in jeopardy if they got hurt, so – I didn't complain about being hurt. It's just like I think in the book when I told when I got jumped by them three guys, they broke my wrist and I went home. And my mother was like, "What happened?" I told my failed running. <laughs> and did you ever hear the term in the in the eighties and nineties load management? Was that ever discussed anywhere? Uh, the only time with load management guys who came to shoot around didn't go to game, but they didn't play at all. <laughs> but uh, load management, it's a it's a. If they if they said they change laws every day. They change the speed limit sometimes. I know it used to be 69. You go down to Oklahoma and 75. So things do change. Things do happen. Uh, this day and age, uh, they, they shoot a lot of threes, and, and it's a different ball game. So I try not to interfere with these guys because, you know, when I play, maybe they should interfere because it was just rough and tough. We didn't think about being lazy. 
And then I loved in the book you mentioned that you were at the Tyson Spinks fight when you got the word that here you're on the Bulls, you're at the cusp of like maybe having this great dominant team where you're going to win maybe six, seven, eight right. titles, and they trade you to the Knicks. And uh, that must have been, you know, that must have been a shock to the system yeah. to be able to trade it to the Knicks. Yeah, in the book, when I talk about that fight, a couple other things happened. Richard Dent got pickpocketed, and, uh, <laughs> you know, we had a good time. I ain't gonna, you know, I didn't, I just asked Mike, did he know? He told me he knew, they talked about it, but. I mean, but when you get traded, you can't cry about it. You still got a job. Just go prove it. the other team that you want to trade. So, and then in the book, you talk about, you know, one of the most famous Jordan dunks of all time is in the playoffs over when he went and he backed up and he went, you know, against Starks, backed up, and then he dunked over Ewing. And you stopped him initially. So he didn't dunk over you. Yeah. But I thought that was a great story. Tell about that a little bit about that. Uh, it was about a rotation on the sideline. You know, when the ball away from you, everybody supposed to take two steps towards the ball. And John sent the baseline. I trapped him, but but I didn't, I didn't step out of bounds. So he, he he snuck around the baseline. Patrick was the next guy. He forbid the head mark. But my thing, that was a good time for Patrick to take him out. No layup. We we always said no layup. And he had a chance because when you get dunked on me, you got a chance to take somebody out. But, hey, it happened. But, uh, you know, it was a tough series playing with the Bulls. Uh, you know, we just didn't have enough points every time we played them. They always outscore us by two or three. Uh, we could never get a big play when we needed. And in the book, you do criticize Patrick Ewing. You're like, you know, the point with Patrick is that he needed a number two. And you said Patrick was a number two. He really needed a number one. <laughs> well, you know, if you go by and they say who the GOAT or this and that, and you think about who all won championships. I mean, you know, Carl Malone played with Stockton. Barkley played most time by himself, but them guys couldn't make the one better. You know, who, who Carl Malone can make better? You know, uh, who Patrick can make You know, just my thing, is, my problem when I criticize in the book, it's just conversation. I played with him for 10 years. I think I know him just as much as a lot of, a lot of people in the press. But my thing is, I think in the, in the series against Houston, it's just like shooting. I hate when a guy shoots against double team. I mean, when you get double team, it means somebody else open. And when Akeem got double team, he passes out Sam Cassell, Mario Ellett, and them guys hit three. So, when my, when my guy that passed out, it's just trust. I mean, how can you not trust us? We in the finals. You both make plays. Yeah, I mean, that Houston series was so tough. I mean, you finally had the year where there was no Michael Jordan to stop you. You get to the final, you get past the, you know, the Pacers, everything, get to the finals, and there are you. Yeah. Just all you have to do is Houston, and then, you you know, Starks could criticize that series, but you point out the fact that, look, you missed free throws, Patrick didn't play well. You really went through those games in detail. Well, I mean, I'm a student of the game, and when you talk these days, you better know what you're talking about because they're going to question you. I get it. Yeah, they have to ask, saying, I'm saying the things about Pat. I'm not really talking. It's just my thing is if we play in the 80s and 90s, if somebody can't say something about you, you're playing, you know, and the way we play, uh, some, somebody, I mean, ain't nobody throwing no eggs or rocks at your house or none of that. But, I mean, we all, I've, I've been criticized about our past here, past there. I mean, it's part of the game, and people are going to ask you about that a lot. And so, the only way you know is just the truth. And I, I, I don't sugarcoat nothing. So, is it, you know, Patrick don't like, he can call and talk to me about it. But my thing is, I watch the tape with you, and and then point it out. I mean, I know, I know, I don't just talk to be talking. I know what I'm talking about. And. When New York, you got your coach, Pat Riley, and we're, we're down here in South Florida, so we know uh, Coach Riley real well and now President Riley, but Riley just fit with your – you know, you just – you were there, no-nonsense working, and that's the kind of coach he was. Oh, yes. We talk, I talk a lot about Pat Riley's book. I, and I, don't, I don't just say good things about it. I said some things that he could have made, made changes in the game, made us better. 
So Patrick, you know, shouldn't be too mad because I said something about Pat Riley or this person, that person, and I'm quite sure they talk about me in meetings. So, hey, I'm just saying something that I'm not talking behind your back so you can hear what I'm saying. Well, you said in the book, you said that, that one of the things that you felt like coaches today and even then was like when don't wait till Jordan's scoring 55 on you, start trapping him earlier. You said you thought that Riley waited a while too long to start trapping him. Oh, yeah. Oh, no doubt we should have trapped Michael early. And then I'll never, I'll take that to my grade. Uh, why not? I want a guy who can really beat you off the dribble and kill you every time, you know. But some, I see, I understand why now we probably didn't trap him a lot because rotation, you know, a lot of times we trap Patrick and then come to the rotation. Like, so I guess he was saving Patrick instead of trying to, you know, do, you know, whatever we got to do. But I understand. But point up, I, another thing I said, you don't sub in the playoff until they sub. Most of the time we lost against the Bull because I think sometimes Pat Riley tried to give guys his minutes, and sometimes in certain games, guys can't get their minutes to playoff. I mean, minutes go up in playoff, not down. Right. And then, you know, you had, you know, a lot of times you said in the, in the book you were compared to Charles Barkley a lot, and you felt that every time you played him, you got the better of him, that you actually, you know, you felt like, you know, that the idea is that, you know, there was more, and you, you know, you mentioned the book, you just didn't get along well with him. Well, I mean, I had to get along with him in the book. I talked about him. Yeah, he, he, he I'll give him an edge. He's a better player, but I had the biggest heart. So I don't worry about numbers when I play. I just worry about at that moment, do what you're supposed to do. Rebound, block out, get the rebound. If you're open, make the shot, make the free throw. So a lot of them guys, that are, you know, average 25, 30 points. So, I mean, they had to score numbers. Every, I didn't have to score numbers every day. My numbers is taking three, four charges, diving, you know. So I didn't get caught up in the height without numbers. I know that. If I have, if I have twenty some points, I probably make the All Star team more. But I just look at that. I look at my team. What we had, what, what could I contribute to my team on a regular basis? Oh, and you know, and you mentioned your book. I remember ninety six, ninety seven, the series against the Heat. All that fights, you know, Charlie Ward, PJ Brown. But you, you mentioned, you know, I was wondering why you weren't suspended for that. You were already in the locker room. You had been ejected earlier in that game. Uh, uh, yeah, it was, it was. I mean, we played the heat. It was always it was already hot, but the temperature went up from 105 to about 120 because we didn't like one another. You know, Pat Riley went down there, and you know, so it was a lot of a lot of little attention going on in the game. And uh, you know, uh, the PJ flipped. I mean, flipped Charlie Ward, and it just, it was just crazy. But uh, I think we ended up still coming back, winning the next game. I think Patrick got suspended because he stepped on the floor. It was just crazy how things happened. And then, you know, you were traded to Toronto, and you said really good things about playing in Toronto. Like, you were nervous about going there, but you loved the town, and you said you still visit there and enjoy going there. Oh, yes. Uh, in the book, I really talk about Toronto. It was just hard to get in, but once I got there, they embraced me, and I told them in press conference. I mean, they they weren't my fan favorite at first, but they grew and started watching me. But I guess, well, they... No, no, it's a big hockey town, and they watched me how I played. I had a little hockey in me. They, start, they felt start liking me, and I told them we was gonna get better every year. So every year before I left, I got traded back to the Bulls. We got better when the playoffs. We lost the first year. We won the second year. So I kept my promise. We got better and better. And I, we didn't go to the championship, but like I say, I brought some. I brought some toughness there. I brought a style there. And then I love reading about your final year in the NBA at the Wizards. I mean, you had Jordan, you had Ewing as a coach, Tyrone Liu, <laughs> Christian Leitner, and then Jordan just for the you know hell of it got Brian Brian Russell, who he you know he brought him back to, to the team, the one he did with the with the shot over in Utah. So it must have been a crazy final season. It must have been fun for you to spend that uh, year with him. 
Oh, yes, it was great. You know, I talk about in the book how me and Mike, we were just like, you know, going everywhere together, having D.C. embrace us, like bringing all them guys back from different teams, T. Lou, Brian Russell, Patrick Bennett, Coach Doug Collins, Patrick Sisson Coach Doug Collins, the head coach. It was it was just, you know, we had a ball. You know, I think that um, the fans came out. I mean, like they appreciated because seeing X guys on the same floor, you know, with Michael Jordan, it's always going to be a crowd. So we had every game was sold out. So I tell you that. So we played hard. We lost. Fans didn't even care about the game. You know, I know we were, they probably figured we were not, yeah, not going to a championship, but it's just glad to be in a room with a space with Michael Jordan. You know, you got him because the Georgetown played uh, Carolina in the in uh, 93, I think, when they beat him in uh, NCAA. And, you know, Michael and Patrick always been a competitive dream teams, all-stars. So they saw a lot for their money. And then I loved how you were. This we're talking to Charles Oakley, uh, the author of the book *The Last Enforcer*. Amazing book. Encourage everybody to go to bookstores, buy it. Amazon, Barnes and Noble, everything. It is a really fun, easy read. Great stories. But you finish the book by talking about you know setting the record straight a little because the Knicks were you know defamed you. I mean, it's really what they did in terms of throwing you out of your seat at the game, banning you from the Garden when you are Mr. Nick. You are the Knicks. And, and you, when you were playing at the Knicks, Dolan didn't even own the team during that time. So it right. was like, uh, it was just, you know, sort of you got a chance to set your record straight about what happened. Well, thanks for the love. But in the book, yes, I really try not to talk a lot about him because I want everybody to know what, how my life was, what I meant to people, this and that. But yes, it was a bad moment. Um, yes, the dad, I, the dad, we got along well from Cleveland, Ohio, and just happened to what they say when you pass them down. You know, they pass a, from a fork from a fork to a spoon. But uh, you know, I don't know what's going to happen. But we in court right now. I wish the Knicks all the luck. I love the fans. I hope they can win sooner or later. <laughs> and uh, that's all I can say about that. Probably later than sooner, but anyway. <laughs> and then you mentioned about today's game, and you have a great relationship with LeBron. We're certainly familiar with LeBron down here in South Florida, but but in terms of they're both from Cleveland, so you've really known LeBron as almost his whole life. Yes. I know LeBron. I know some stories about him. As we talk about in the book, his family, his friends, all of them embrace me. I, I appreciate him for that. And, uh, you know, Everybody always I could pay as Michael Jordan and LeBron. I said two different guys, both great guys, both of them on the Mount Rushmore, both of them one and two in my life for like the best players ever. So let it rest, let it rest at that. <laughs> well, Charles, I know you've been super busy. You're on. Uh, you've been you know certainly pushing your book, The Last Enforcer. I really appreciate you coming on Iron Sports. Thank you so much. Thank you. Appreciate. It. Keep pushing that book, The Last Enforcer. It's about to run out, so you better go get you one.